Hi everyone and welcome back to the show. Today on the podcast I talk about the challenge and the absolute necessity to ground in times like these. How can we allow ourselves to do the practices and the things that we need to really fill our cups when so many people are suffering and struggling in the world and why is it crucial that we actually do? I talk about the state of the world from a place I know how, which is just from this moment, from the heart, and um, sending you and all of us walking this earth so much love. Sometimes in life, skepticism can serve you well. It can save you money, keep you from wasting a day at a timeshare presentation, and help you avoid spreading gossip. To be honest, when I am faced with a new scenario, I usually tend to be a skeptic until something proves me wrong. And if you're like me, you can probably spot a too-good-to-be-true health hack from a mile away and read labels like it's your job. That's where Ritual comes in. They know that every good skeptic deserves a multivitamin that exceeds your standards. Their clinically backed Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin has high quality, traceable key ingredients in clean bioavailable forms. Take two delayed release capsules per day that optimize your body's absorption and you'll get nine key nutrients. Rituals Essential for Women is USP verified, so you know you can trust what you're putting in your body. Only about 1% of supplement brands on the market have the USP verified mark, which shows the product contains the ingredients actually listed on the label. On top of that, Ritual multivitamins are vegan, non-GMO project verified, gluten and major allergen free, certified B Corp and made traceable. I take my vitamins every morning with breakfast. It's part of my daily ritual and I feel so good doing it. No more shady business. Rituals Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com slash yoga girl. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash yoga girl for 25% off. Let's dive in. Okay, here we are. Hello, hello. Hello, my friends. How are you? I hope you are feeling grounded in this moment. I uh, I struggle a little bit of how to open this podcast today. Um, I'm struggling a little bit with which direction to take this podcast. I have a few ideas already of what I want to talk about. And then as soon as I sat down here to record, I... Um, I can't begin this podcast without starting off by saying that my heart goes out to everyone suffering in this moment. What is happening with the Israel-Palestine conflict is, it's too heavy to, to begin to open up. I actually feel like walking down the road of unpacking my own personal feelings of just watching this from afar feels really overwhelming. I also struggle deeply because it's so challenging to talk about what's happening. I have really done my best over the past couple of days just on social media to try to share things that come from a place of true compassion for every innocent human being that is caught in this awful violence. 
And I find that it's almost no matter what I share, there is someone's going to come across that and, and get upset. It's almost like sharing that your heart goes out to the innocent children who are suffering on one side. And then it's almost perceived as if, well, you're then supporting the people who have perpetrated the violence toward the other side or vice versa, you know, when that is not at all where I am. I think most people are watching this from afar, really struggling to fully understand this this issue that goes so far back. And I think most of us just feel deep, deep compassion and grief inside of our hearts. The way we grieve and feel compassion whenever something like this happens. I mean, at the beginning of the war in Ukraine, I had a f- similar feeling as as the one I, I'm sitting with now, but what we're watching and what's in our social media feeds right now and what we see on the news right now feels feels even more violent. It feels even more ruthless. It feels even more... And of course, you can't put disasters or wars, pit them against each other. You know, war is war. Violence is violence. Murder is murder. It It's truly despicable and awful and wherever it happens and however it unfolds. And I'm not going to go into all of my thoughts about this because I know I will end up not saying the perfectly right thing. And the last thing I want to do is add even a millimeter or add a single gram of anxiousness or frustration on anyone's shoulder. So just from the heart in this moment, if you are impacted by what's happening directly in any way, I am so sorry. Um, I'm so sorry. My heart really, really is there with everyone who is suffering, with everyone who has lost someone, with everyone who's fearing loss, people across the world feeling fear and helplessness and hopelessness and despair. And just my heart is there. Um, Trust me. And um, yeah, today in this moment, as I'm speaking now, I feel a little bit more grounded because I had a day today where I actively did things to help me ground. Yesterday, talking about this, I couldn't open my mouth without bursting into tears. And I think, I mean, it's worth mentioning, you know, for the majority of us who are watching this unfold from so far away, the same way, you know, when the war in Ukraine started, it's close to where I am in Sweden and in different ways. And still, it's it's very far, right? I mean, I'm sitting here in my own little safe bubble. And that most of us, if you're listening to this podcast right now, if you have the time, if you have the energy, you have the ability to take a little break in your day to listen to this if you're driving in a car, listening to this podcast, and you're safe, right? That's one thing we know for sure is that if you are listening to these words right now, you are in a safe place. Um, if you're in a place of violence or threat, you are not tuning in to From the Heart with Rachel Brayton, right? So all of us here, me speaking, you listening, we are in this beautifully privileged, blessed place of being safe right now. And we should not take that for granted, but actually appreciate the fact that we have these foundational things that so many people lack right now and a sense of safety being the most important one. And whenever we watch these kinds of things unfold, whether it's a natural disaster or war or acts of violence or whatever is unfolding, and these things happen all the time, right? All the time. 
This is not a, you know, once in a blue moon thing. I feel like these conflicts and wars and disasters, it's just one after the other. And we, through the power of social media and the internet and the news, we we get to see it happen almost in real time, right? Or actually some of it really even in real time. And it is such a bizarre place to be of, of sitting here in our safe places, knowing that there are there are people suffering the the worst possible, the worst, almost unimaginable things right now. And there's so little we can do. There, I mean, there, there are things we can do, but there's so little we can do compared to what we would want to do, right? To feel like we're actually making a difference or making a change. If I could step in there right now and make this stop, like I, I think we all would, right? If there's something we could do to actually make a change and it feels, now this conflict is even more complex than, than most other issues. It feels just like this impossible knot to untie and it affects so many, so many people and has affected people for so many years. And whenever we see these things happen, I mean, there's the first thing that happens over here is that, you know, we go into this place of holy shit, oh my God, can't believe this is happening. And only finding out that this is happening, you know, when we, we get the news, this is secondary trauma. I mean, it is listening to trauma, hearing about trauma. And I'm not even talking about watching images and videos of really deeply traumatic things happening, just finding out that this, that horrible things are unfolding. That alone destabilizes you completely. So I'm not even, you know, talking about the people who are actually suffering this violence. I'm talking about everybody else in their safe bubbles. Something shifts here already. And I think what a lot of us do is we go into this absolute, you know, I need to find out everything. It's, it, we get a lot of cortisol in our system and stress and adrenaline and our senses are heightened and, and we just have to find out everything. And we start scrolling and then thing after thing. And I have found myself just going down rabbit holes on social media, especially the first few days when this started to happen of, oh my God. And then we realize, or at least that's what happens to me. It's like, okay, I've, I've been, I know enough now, or, or I kind of get this feeling in my body of like, okay, okay, I'm, I'm understanding what's happening now. I stop, you know, I can't watch any more of this. And then we have that, that privilege of being able to step out, which people who are actually suffering, of course, can't, there's no escaping that. But we get to, if we can, put our phones down right? Turn the TV off, step away from the news. And all of a sudden, like regular day stuff is happening where we have kids and work and things. And then you forget, right? Because that's, that's, that's what we do. We forget that this is happening for a moment. Um, you do something else, you get to kind of tend to your day-to-day -day stuff. And then all of a sudden, you're reminded like, oh, oh shit, this is, this is it. And what happens in these days when we have a disaster happening the way it's happening this week is I think our nervous systems go from, they go up and then down, up and down, up and down. We go into this panic and fear and holy shit, and then into something more mundane and regular. And then we have that spike again of seeing something or hearing something or turning on the TV or picking up our phones again, and there it is again. And not to in any way, and I hope everyone listening understands, I mean, I know you understand this, I'm not comparing the experience of being in the safe place, right? Versus being in the place of, 
oppression and violence and terror, like not comparing those two, just trying to paint sort of the picture of how important it is for us in our safe spaces and safe bubbles to actually keep our feet on the ground. I lose my ability to be of service. I lose my ability to understand what's happening. I lose my ability to to listen when I am dysregulated. So when I go into that kind of doom scrolling thing that happens, or I get inundated with too much violence and too many horrible images, I, I become dysregulated. I feel so anxious. I go into this big place of stress. Like a couple of days ago, what that looked like for me was just like, I, I would start crying every time I thought of what was happening. And I lose my ability to, to, to do anything constructive, right? So it's actually, it feels really silly and it feels silly for me to even talk about like, hey, there's war happening. Let's all of us take a breath. You know, it feels dumb, stupid. Like, why are we even thinking about that, right? But it actually is so very true. And if we have the ability to take a deep breath, right? We are in a place where we are safe. We can take that breath. It's our responsibility to do that. It's our responsibility as bystanders watching this happen to stay as grounded as we possibly can so that we can stick together and use our power as a community to be of service in whatever way we can. And being of service is going to look really different for each of us. We all have different abilities and ways and different resources to give from. And, you know, it's going to look different for all of us for sure. But we cannot be of service in any way to anyone if we are dysregulated, if we are experiencing secondhand trauma, if we are, you know, going into that place where our nervous system is just shot to hell and then we can't come down. And um, I'm sharing this now because I just, today was my first day since since this started or since the attacks in, in Israel happened where I'm feeling somewhat grounded. And I'm really glad. And today, I'm, if, if you're wondering, it's Thursday night. I'm recording this podcast really late. Um, I'm really glad I waited with a podcast and I did that for a variety of reasons. But um, I probably would have been here just just crying, feeling very anxious, talking from a very different place. And instead, I feel like my feet are on the ground. And this doesn't diminish what's happening. You know, it's actually a very sensible thing that we use our resources now to stay as sane and grounded as we can. Because most likely this is going to get worse. Most likely the world is going to ask something of you following this or in these weeks. We are in a place where we can't, we can't close our eyes and turn away. I mean, a lot of people are, I think. A lot of people are trying. I was talking to a friend about this today where it just... It, it really does feel so bizarre knowing that, you know, there are mothers out there right now grieving the loss of their babies, or there are mothers out there now fearing the loss of their babies. And here we are with our babies just having a normal day, drinking coffee and going for a walk and enjoying the fall sunshine and, you know, like it's not happening. <laughs> but then if one child is suffering, aren't we all suffering? If one mother is fearing for the loss of her child right now, aren't we all fearful? There's something about that, about that 
connectedness as human beings, at least I feel that way, where knowing that this sort of violence happens, it it makes it it, it reminds me of the fact that that this exists in the world. And in in a way, it's almost like, well, this is not, you know, taking me out of my little bubble. It's like it's it's giving me a reality check of this happens. There's unfathomable darkness in this world. And when you live a peaceful life, when you live a privileged life, when you live the kind of life that allows you to spend an hour in your day listening to a podcast, I mean, how amazing is that? How how blessed are we, right? That we actually have that ability. Then it's really easy to, to go into a place of, well, look how beautiful everything is, right? And that's a good thing, of course, to be in a place where we feel like our lives are beautiful, to be in a place where we're grateful, wake up in the morning and we're happy. You know, we, we shouldn't have anything diminish that or, or take that away. Like we all deserve beautiful lives. But then to all of a sudden be awakened to the fact that, oh, well, for so many across the world, their lives are so far from this. And it's so fucking unfair. Who says? I mean, it's really, you know, is it luck where we happen to be born? What part of the world and at what time we happen to be born? That we're born in a place where there's no war ongoing. Here in Sweden, we actually have to Google this because I said earlier I was going to Google this. Mothers deserve the absolute best. So this Mother's Day, spoil the moms in your life with little luxuries from Osea. Osea's skin and body care is the perfect way to remind all the moms, mother figures, caregivers, grandmothers, and mother-in-laws in your life to make time for themselves. If you have been looking for the perfect gift, I recommend Osea's Andaria Algae Body Oil. I've been using it for years and it seems like every single time I apply it, I get compliments on my skin. This body oil is rich, but it's never greasy and it's clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity. Your skin will feel more sculpted and toned and you'll be left feeling silky, soft and glowing. Another favorite of mine is the Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. Ever since I've been using collagen, I have noticed a difference in my skin. In fact, it's never been better. Using Osea's body oil and lotion together is a mega moisture duo, giving you a full body glow. Osea's products are infused with our signature Andaria seaweed, but it's also clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified. Really just a perfect gift for yourself, the moms in your life, and even the planet. Spoil the moms in your life with clean, vegan skin and body care from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with the code YOGA at oseamalibu.com. You'll get free samples with every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Head to oseamalibu.com and use the code YOGA for 10% off. The last time we had a war in Sweden was against Norway in 1814. So that is 209, no, 1814, so 209 years ago. Can I count? It's 200 years ago. That's a long time. That's a lot of generations in a row getting to experience life without war, without conflict. Not saying that in the 1800s, life was super easy and simple for everyone in Sweden. Obviously, that's not the case. 
um, you know, there's the Great Depression happening here and the Great Migration, migration where everybody kind of left Sweden because everyone was starving. And of course, like hard things, hardships happen. And of course, also, whenever there's a world war unfolding, you know, life's not super easy <laughs> in other anywhere. But there hasn't been an active conflict or war of any kind happening here for 200 years. That That's something compared to what you see in, in almost every other place, especially in Europe, where there has been war on and off and things escalating and conflicts and near war and fear. And in Sweden, you know, Sweden is kind of like Switzerland, like we're neutral all the time-ish. And that's, it's a different way of growing up. You know, it's a different way. We're born with a different kind of way of looking at the world. One of my best friends was here visiting from Aruba this past week, and she's from Serbia. And she grew up having to run to the bomb shelter because they were bombing her city, Belgrade. Uh, and she grew up with that active threat, um, that feeling. And she, she tries to explain it to me sometimes. She's like, what happens to your nervous system if you've been through that once in your life? Just one moment of experiencing an attack that doesn't go away. So imagine living in a country where this is reality all the time, where this is just what you expect, where there's never that sense of fundamental safety, that sense of just, well, I'm, I'm okay here. And say what you want about Sweden and where we are now, but if it's something that I always have experienced in Sweden and still do, is that I'm safe here. You know, things are changing it's not the same in Sweden, Stockholm, the way it was when I was little. When I was little, so Leia is going to turn seven soon, a couple months. When I was nine, so that's only, that's so close to where she is. Nine is still really young. I, what I did, what's the word in English? Sorry, I speak, I speak a lot of Swedish these days. I practiced athletics. You know, you do, I did the high jump and long jump and I was actually really fast and really, uh, I did 60 meters, 100 meters sprints. And uh, my dad was very, very into athletics. He actually competed in the Swedish championships. He jumped 205 in high jump, which is really, really high. Um, so I was really inspired by him. And I started training too when I was nine. So every day when I was nine, I would, after school, I would go home, make myself a snack, just which I did on my own, just walking through the city. And then I would get on the subway. And I would ride all the way from one end of the station to the opposite end of the station. If you're Swedish, I went from Stadion, which is where we lived. It's the red line of the subway in Stockholm. And I went to Briading, which is almost the opposite end. And then I walked from the subway and I walked to this big arena, like training hall. And I trained there for an hour. And then I, you know, went all the way back home in the dark, really late at night. And I did this several times a week. And the idea now, and I ask around a lot, like the idea now of putting your nine-year-old on the subway, going through the center of downtown, going from one end of the red line to the other end of the, of the red line, completely alone. I didn't even have a phone, right? So there's no way for me to reach anyone. I mean, I was nine. This was <laughs> my math today, 1997. So no, I did not have a phone. <laughs> like the idea of doing that is like unthinkable. You don't do that. It's not safe to do that. 
we have friends who have kids in the city who are like, you don't, you don't leave your kid to like go to their activities on their own. Like that's not safe. You don't let them ride a subway alone. Like they have to be way older to do that. So things have shifted overall. It's not the same. And I'm not trying to like romanticize like the 90s were so safe and easy, but kind of in Sweden, you know, they were. And where we live now, we don't live in a city. So we are in this really safe place where it's just, it's almost ridiculous. Like there's, uh, yeah, like Leia goes and she bikes from the house and goes down these these roads, these dirt roads on the countryside where we live with her friends and her neighbors. And there's nowhere here where she couldn't go where I wouldn't feel totally safe about that. Now, there are places around Stockholm and in the suburbs of Stockholm where it's really getting dangerous. There's a lot of crime. There's a lot of gang violence now. There's so much happening. And I don't know what it's going to feel like, you know, 35 years from now, the kids growing up now, are they going to have that same feeling that I had living here, living in Sweden overall, that I'm so safe here? And even if, even if, you know, there's a risk of um, getting robbed or there's a risk of something happening, it's not the same as the trauma of living under threat of war or in actual war. And if it's something that I so desperately want for my kids, for all of our kids, it's just, it's that fundamental sense of safety. Without that, it doesn't matter. Everything else like becomes just so secondary. Quality of food and water and activities and, you know, are they learning well in school? Are they happy? Are they, you know, fitting in? Are they like all, nothing matters if you don't feel safe, truly. Because everything then is going to happen from this dysregulated place. And I just, I'm thinking about this so much because I, I wish I could change it. And I also feel, I, I have no feeling in my body at all of righteousness, of, of entitlement when it comes to this, you know, like somehow, and I feel like a lot of people do, especially when it comes to conflict, um, when it comes to immigration, I feel like people talk about this in certain ways that I really don't like, where some people have a right to be somewhere and some people don't have a right. And if you weren't born in that country, then you're not, shouldn't be allowed to do so-and-so. And I really deeply believe in all of our rights to... What's happening? Some feeding time. Feeding time. Okay. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Uh, sorry, everyone. Um, Finn has, I think, a bit of a tummy ache right now. He is a little bit sad. You might hear him um, complaining or crying a little bit in the background. He's with Dennis. He just ate. He's fine. No, but uh, what I wanted to say is I, I don't feel a sense of entitlement in that I am more deserving of this safety than other people because I'm Swedish. And I feel like a lot of people talk about this in the context of especially the refugee crisis and immigration. And, you know, this is my country and that's your country. This is my place. You're not welcome here. Or you should not be able to 
take advantage of the same liberties and the same support as I can because this is my nationality and it's not yours. It's just very racist, this whole conversation. And it's not uncomplicated, obviously. It's really, really complicated. But this idea that would just just a mere fact or truth of I'm sitting here feeling safe in my in my home in my country because I happen to be born in Sweden and I happen to be born with more privilege than a lot of other people I didn't do anything to deserve that it's not like I somehow have a different kind of skill set or personality or and there's there's nothing that differs me from a 35-year-old woman born in Palestine. Nothing. It's just pure luck that I happen to be born here and she happens to be born there. And then we have to deal with these vastly different realities. And I know just talking about the idea of privilege and white privilege, it's really triggering to so many people, which I don't really truly don't understand why. Saying that, you know, acknowledging that you have privilege doesn't mean that you didn't work hard in your life, doesn't mean that you didn't also have trauma or experience really difficult, heartbreaking things, doesn't mean that, you know, you can have white privilege and have had a really hard freaking life. But it means that you're excluded from a lot of oppression and difficulty that comes with not being white, right? And I'm using that just as as an example, and this week, I've just been feeling, just thinking about the children. I can't stop thinking about the children. I just have this feeling of it's so it's so unfair. It's really, truly, deeply so unfair. Um, <laughs> and there's nothing I can do to change that. And I feel like this sense of helplessness that there's no fixing, there's no doing, there's no there's no control, you know, to 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 curb this violence. Like it's just so awful and so horrible and so terrible, and it's going to escalate and get worse. And I just get to be here (laughs) having a day like I had today where I decided, okay, I'm going to do everything I can do to ground because watching this violence from afar is is making me feel really unsteady. Like, how silly is that? How silly is that? That I feel unsteady watching violence happen from afar. And it's also not silly. It's true. It's truth. You're listening to this. You probably also feel unsteady and scared and you know, horrified and anxious and, and all of these things. And that's not silly. That's also reality. But in comparison, I feel like, oh, God, look at me living my little silly little life here where I'm trying to ground because there's war and disaster happening in another country and that's affecting me. What? <sighs> yeah. So all of this to say all of this to say, I don't know, I'm just speaking from where I'm sitting right now. But all of this to say is both, it is ridiculous to sit here from a safe place, wanting to to ground and, and, and find a sense of peace. And it's also absolutely crucial. And I really think that that's saying it's so true that if we have the privilege to take a deep breath, it is our responsibility to take a deep breath. Because nothing was ever solved or made better from spinning off into a frenzy, right? It's not, it's not helping anybody. If you're sitting there doom scrolling, watching violent videos all day, just having your heart break over and over and over and over again, you're not making anyone's life better from doing that, right? 
how can we actually make someone's life better? Like if, if there is something we can do, chances are we have a bigger chance of doing that when we actually have our feet planted firmly on the ground, when we are anchored in our own bodies, when we have the ability to remain good parents, good moms, good dads, good friends, you know, good humans here for our own people, for our own communities. When we can be in that place, then we can also help the rest of the world in whatever way we can. And I actually, I really, I've struggled with that this week because you can donate money, which I always do. It's so simple to do. And I have a few organizations that I always feel somehow comfortable giving, like SOS Children's Villages in Swedish. It's called SOS Barnbyar. I always, I think because I used to give to them when I was young, living in Sweden, I just have a sense of trust. In, but it's a big organization. If I can, I prefer to donate in ways where it goes directly to people who are impacted. So if there's a GoFundMe or if you can, you know, sometimes you can Venmo people who are in need or there's that kind of direct, uh, that direct way of moving money, which I feel just, I don't know, feels more trustworthy somehow to not go into the big organizations, even though the big organizations are doing so such important work too, of course. But just giving money feels so... It feels little to me because I, I have money to give and I can do it. I'm in that place. And I talked about that on the Daily Practice podcast this week. We had our whole intention and topic for the week was to just be of service. And then we talked about or did some work around the resources that we have to give from. And money might not be the thing for you, right? Should you be giving everything you have if you don't have so much to give in terms of money and finances? No, right? But, but you have something else. If money is not your resource, you have another resource that you can give more freely from. And identifying what that resource is, is really important. Um, and a resource right now could be time. If you're in a place where you have time on your hands, and how do you know if you have time on your hands? Well, are you binging a show right now? Like, that's a great example. Like, do you have hours somehow magically to, to give to like a Netflix show every day? Well, then you have time on your hands. Like you do, you do. You just got to re restructure, reorganize a little bit. Maybe you're a stay-at-home mom, which obviously doesn't mean you have tons of time, but maybe your kid sleeps and you have a little window of, of space here and there. Maybe you're in between jobs and you have lots of time, right? Time could be one of those things. And I feel right now, if we have time as a resource, our work could, I don't want to say should because your life, your choices, but our work could be centered around learning and understanding what is happening. Really doing the research, really, not just from one place, right? Because it's so easy to just, um, to have that bias and to have it confirmed. Well, this is my belief and I'm going to read everything that confirms what I already believe, but to really truly read from and get your information from neutral places or from both versions and from both sides. And I even hate the idea of sides because when it comes to the children and the people who are the real victims here, there's no side, right? They're just human beings. But if you have time on your hands to to learn, I think that's a great way to be of service. And it might feel silly, like how am I being of service? How am I helping every anyone? Well you are. The fact that there's <laughs> terror attacks and war happening right now and we feel like we have a hard time speaking up about that because it's so complicated to talk about like that's a problem 
right? That's a real problem that we don't know how to speak about this. It's a real problem. If I feel like it's a huge problem for me and I have a big platform, maybe I can make a little bit of change somehow. I don't know. It's hard to talk about. I don't want it to be hard to talk about and I want to understand why it is and how that is. So time is definitely a resource. And of course, we can use our time to do something more hands-on. Maybe you have time and energy and the ability to be of service directly to people who need it. And that could be reaching out to your Jewish and Palestinian friends and people in your community to ask, what do you need? Right? Because the people who are more directly impacted obviously are them. And maybe there is something that they need. Maybe they haven't had anyone ask them, like, what do you need? How can I help? Do you need, do you not want to be alone? You know, do you want to want to spend some time together? Do you need help to cook, to help clean your house? Do you need childcare? Like, how can I, how can I help you? Do you know someone who's directly impacted, who needs funds, who needs something? Like, how, how can I help? And finding out what that resource is that we have. And it might not be time for you and it might not be money for you, but I bet you, you have a skill that you can put to use. And sometimes, you know, when it comes to to war, when it comes to really specific heart heartbreaking issues like this, the thing to do is to just get out there and be of service. And if you have a hard time finding a way that feels like you're of service to the people impacted right now, know that just by getting out there and being a good human, you are also making a change. And this might go for the people who you come across who are really dysregulated right now, who are really kind of fanning the flames, who are really anxious, who are really like, like, can you support them? Can you get out there and be a good person and be kind and support people suffering in the day to day? Maybe it's not related to this, but we can, we can always be of service. And that's the thing. It's like redefining what service means. Service, yes, it's donating money. Service, yes, it's volunteer work. But it's also so much more than that. You know, it's applying what you have available to you to do good. And preferably not from a place of, of, of guilt or not from a place of, you know, righteousness, of I want to be a good person because that's important to me and I have, you know, because you identify with that. But just doing good because you are good. Like you really are. <laughs> I really believe that. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. And I think one of the best, you know, things that happen when we start to live a life that feels more like a life of service, it's less about the exact specific impact of the things that we do whether it's helping someone or 
lending someone a you know, a shoulder to cry on or ears to listen or hands to help or if it's giving money or time or a special skill that you have. Like it's less about the direct specific impact of each, each instance of service and more about the fact that you are out there making a connection with other human beings. You are out there reminding them that they're not alone and in that process, they remind you that you're not alone either. When we do good for other people, it's that automatic reward of, oh yeah, we connect, right? We're different, but we're not really, right? There's so much more that unites us than than separates us. We actually are in this together. We live different lives. We have different realities, but, but we're together on this planet. And I think so much of the pain and the suffering that we see comes from this one core place of believing that we are so different, that we are so separate, this feeling of otherness, it's them versus me, them versus us. And anything we can do to bridge that gap, to remind other people and ourselves that we are here together, truly, and in the most beautiful sense of humanity, that it's always silly to talk about that in the moment, in moments of conflict and war, oneness, and we are all one, you know, you don't want to bypass the trauma of what's happening. But if you get out there and you connect with people and you're doing good things and it reminds you how intricately connected we all are, it brings that idea of oneness back to something more grounded, more to something tangible. And people who you resonate with, who you feel similar to when you're reminded that, oh, but we are so, so much the same, it's, you don't want to cause those people harm, Right? Harm comes from that place of, oh, well, we have nothing in common. You know, it's them over there and that's me and us over here. And I think whatever we can do in any instance of life, in any part of the world, to remind ourselves that we are not alone here, that we have everything in common. We have this one earth we walk upon and we share so much truly deeply we share so much and we are so much more connected and alike than we are different and apart that is making a difference really making a difference and doing that I think is an act of service that truly can change the world and we might change little worlds to begin and at the very least if you approach life that way you are going to walk through your life feeling like you are connected to the rest of humanity And you're going to judge less. You're definitely going to hate less if you're a person that hates. Um, You're probably not going to be a keyboard warrior on Instagram, trolling people and being mean to people. Like probably you're going to feel differently about your life and maybe walk through life feeling, you know, like we all belong. (laughs) And there's something so basic and fundamental and foundational about that. And it's also so true. And I could cry right now the way I can kind of cry all the time, (laughs) just reminding myself of that same, same, same thing, that we are all here. How, how can we, how can we think that we're different? How can we actually think that we don't, that we don't belong together? I am here, 35 year old woman, mothering my baby, taking care of my family. It's like, any any mother in any part of the world is doing the same thing, right? Loves their babies the same. 
wants good things for their family the same, wants to feel good the same. And I, we spend so much time focusing on how we are apart and how we think differently and believe in different things. And, and we spend so little time focusing on how much we are the same. And I just want more of that. I wish we had more opportunities for that. I wish we had more abilities to gather in true community like that. Because when you grow up that way, that's the automatic assumption. <laughs> right? And somewhere along the way, like we just got so fucked. I shared something on Instagram the other day and I almost felt silly sharing it the way I feel silly sharing anything all the time because everything just feels so little and yeah, in comparison to what's happening. But just, I wish the grandmothers were in charge. And I really had that feeling, that deep, <laughs> I don't know if it was a feeling, if it was a memory or if it was a vision of the future or what it was, but I just had this moment of if the grandmothers were in charge, how different things would be really, really. <laughs> if we had the matriarchs in charge, if we had the grandmothers in charge, if the mothers were here making big major decisions for leadership, how different would that be? How fed, we would all be so fed, we would all be so safe. We would all be dressed appropriately for the weather. <laughs> we would have our bellies full. We would drink so much tea. <laughs> we would all, we would be in a different place. And I want to believe that we're moving towards something that feels more like oneness, that we are. There's a change happening in the world where there is more peace, a deeper connection to nature, people looking for, for something more authentic and genuine. But then you see this happening and it's like, is that where we're going though? Or is that what I'm tricking myself to believe in my little bubble here in, in nature where I live my life? I don't know. I really don't know. Um, but I wanted to share just returning this conversation to grounding. I just want to share, you absolutely have a right to ground now and always. You have a right to take care of yourself, to take care of your nervous system, of your body, of your heart. You deserve to feel grounded and at peace even when other people don't. And it might be more crucial now than ever that you actually do do the things that make you feel safe, that make you feel at home, that remind you that you're here, that bring you to your body. Do them. Do them. Um, and for me today, that looked like moving my body. I, I think I had my, I got my heart rate up the most the highest it's been on purpose since giving birth. I really got to sweat this morning. It felt so good. I felt strong. It just felt present in my body. It's a really good feeling. I went for a dip. It was really cold, really, really cold. And it did me so good. I stood barefoot in the grass, um, whatever, you know, piece or part of nature you have close by. Even if it's cold, like it's cold here, take your shoes off and just spend some time with those feet on the earth. I sat in the sun for as long as I could, just really breathing that light in. I talked to my friends, really made the effort to really reach out and say, hey, here's how I'm doing. How are you doing? 
without going into, oh, did you see that and hear that? And oh my God, just like, how are you? Here's how I am. Grounded, solid moment to just connect and and, and be. And um, I ate a lot of cookies. <laughs> Very grounding, right? Um, I ate a lot of cookies. My mom baked cookies for my birthday that were in the freezer. And this afternoon we made coffee ate cookies and sat around the kitchen table laughing with Leia and it felt so normal and grounding and yeah. So that was my, my day and I'm sharing that just to really support you in you allowing yourself to ground too. Okay. And, um, figuring out here what your resource is how can you give how can you support how can you be of service and how can you do that while keeping your feet on the earth while filling your own cup and while listening to what your body tells you about what you actually need because that's going to shift from the day to day as well (sighs) yeah deep breaths everybody deep breaths I thank you so much for listening to this today. Um, Take some time to remember to take some time to be in gratitude for this beautiful life that you have that allows you to listen to this. It's pretty badass. It's really, and it's rare. It's strange that it is, but in these times it's rare. So just a thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you life for allowing me the space to listen to podcasts like this. Thank you life for allowing me to be in a community. Thank you life for allowing me to source inspiration and motivation around me. Thank you life for giving me access to nature. Thank you life for giving me a safe space to be. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Find your gratitude and speak it out loud, okay? I love you. I'll be back next week. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you enjoy the show, make sure you listen, rate, review, and follow all episodes of From the Heart with Rachel Brayton. This was a presentation of Cadence 13 Studio, and I'll see you next week.